Steve Vines. How are you? <laughs> Good morning. I'm not bleeding free. <laughs> <laughs> World Radio Day today. Is it? For real. UNESCO World Radio Today. So you, mate, are fired. Thank, thank God I But when gentlemen <laughs> pass, they don't moan about each other. At least those fellows over the road have acknowledged sexual minorities. When gentlemen <laughs> pass. <laughs> yes, we're talking about our good friends at commercial radio. Every time you say that, we're going to have to drink a tequila shot. We are. <laughs> do the vodka game. Yes. Well, nothing wrong with that. Uh, very good idea. <laughs> can I say? Um, I'm sure all our listeners, both of them, are, uh, are in front of their vodka bottles as we speak. They probably are, actually. <laughs> but that is a different story. How, how do you get through such a thing? Yeah. Uh, where were we? Oh, yes, yes. Commercial radio. Um, hallowed be its name. Well, here's the thing. Um, you have a uh, one of its most popular presenters... Um, who Daisy Lee, who who apparently is controversial. A controversial in Hong Kong means doesn't like the government. Or says things they don't like. Or says things they don't like. That would be, I would say, most people <laughs> in the population. But anyway, apparently here that means controversial. Um, so she she has a prime spot, and then she's moved to another show, and then they think, oh, goodness me. Of course, this is entirely unrelated, but our licence is coming up. Um, this is an unrelated matter. Can I stress how unrelated a matter this is? Yeah. Very no, unrelated. No. No, nothing to do Absolutely. with it. And then she's fired overnight. And the very charming person who, who is the fireer, or is it the fireer? No, she's the fiery. She's the fiery. She? Yes, the fireer. The fireer. Um, has modestly, this is um, somebody with a very nice name, Stephen. Has, um, Give him that. <laughs> uh, that's all I can say for him. Has taken over her spot... Because I want a, to be a DJ. I want to be a DJ. I want and, to be a DJ. And, and I'm responsible. You won't get any any of this nonsense stuff out of me. So he's he's in charge. He's also fired her. He's also doing her radio spot. She's out the door. Um, none of this, and, and I think we should stress this, none of this is to do with politics. None whatsoever. No. But I'll tell you what, mm. put politics to one side, the politics that doesn't exist over this to one side. In pure broadcasting terms... Stroke of genius. Yes, until... Get your DJ that the listeners love. Yes. Really like her. Turn on, or him. Yeah. Just in case. Uh, turn on every day. Like to listen to your friend on the radio. Shift her to a crummier spot. Yes. And then give her the boot. Yes. All listeners, good, really. <laughs> we don't need you, listeners. We don't need you. Well, I mean, if you are... And as, as I keep stressing, this is unrelated. If your licence totally. is coming up... Totally unrelated. You might be worried Terms about Terms and conditions renewal. apply. You might be re- worried about renewal. But you also might be thinking that you operate in an environment where toleration of people expressing their views is diminishing. You might be, for example... Oh, let me take a random example. Working for Ming Bao. Oh, yeah. And you might say, oh, my goodness, that bloke who's the editor doesn't seem to be towing the line too strongly. We'll bring in somebody who really knows local conditions from um, (coughs) Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, fair play. And he'll be good um, because, after all, he's... um, in Kuala Lumpur. Act now. Uh, act now. He'll be a great chief editor for Ming Bao, one of Hong Kong's most reputable newspapers. Indeed. And, I mean, you know, you look at the... I'm, we're being a bit kind of jolly about this, but it's not really that jolly. I mean, this this is all happening in against a background, which is, doesn't seem to be commented on much. There's been an enormous, enormous media clampdown across the border. Yeah. You've had directives being issued. You've had people hauled in for re-education. You've had um, various prominent people being fired. And new guidelines of many, many varieties have been issued on which news can, cannot be covered. 
Now, you may say, gosh, this is all a coincidence that some of this is, is trickling down south. It is a coincidence, Steve. Surely, yes, yes, I must believe that. And there's, oh, gosh, there's another pig flying across the studio. <laughs> We've really got to clamp down on that sort of behaviour. But, I, so, I mean, you know, it's not that, and you have to keep saying this because otherwise you get far too depressed, it's not that Hong Kong has gone the way of the mainland media because you only need to see what goes on across the border to know that that's a very long distance to travel. But every step in that direction is a step in the wrong direction. And I don't have the smallest scintilla of a doubt that what we're seeing at commercial radio, what we're seeing at Mingbao, and what we're seeing at other newspapers that have been less publicised, because it's more subtle, is a step in the wrong direction. So people should be worried. Let's talk about the licence thing for a second. The licence thing that this isn't the issue of whatsoever. This isn't whatsoever. the issue of, yes. Well, I mean, of course, the broadcast media... Broadcast media. With the honourable exception of RTHK, which, which is beyond criticism. Can Absolutely. I just say that? Um, Absolutely. For the record. Yep. Um, phew, got that out of the way. Um, um, the broadcast media is, of course, subject to higher degrees of regulation than the print media. Yeah, but... Because of licensing. You know, and who grants the licence? Who makes it possible for these people to even get on the air is, of course... Oh, that's right, the government. Is it a neutral party in these matters? Is it a hands-off saying, oh gosh, we really don't mind what they broadcast uh, as long as it's clean and, you know, um, doesn't interfere with young babies? Uh, you know, it is a problem because commercial radio, incidentally, never set out its stall to be a government critic. It just happened to have got on its airwaves people who became very popular. I mean, you think of Albert Chang, for oh, example, yeah. who, who also came from the radio, but, I mean, commercial radio stable and was also fired. Uh, Wong Yuk Man, well, they were together. These were two very, very popular broadcasters who were on commercial radio and got fired. Daisy Lee is slipping into that um, tradition, I suppose. I keep coming to this real pain in the backside, the listeners. Oh, those, honestly. But what do listeners, people who love listening to the radio, let's, let's, let's talk about these people. Like, yeah. not, not forget the sharp end. You know, they're in their car, they're doing whatever they yeah. do. What do they want to talk about? Well, they love talk radio, especially here, because they want to talk about cracks in the pavement. Well, and, they, but, but they're and also, that's fun. But they're also, they're also, you know, there is this vast underbelly of people who, who are not happy. And they get on the air and they talk to... That's what I'm saying. People. They want to talk yeah. about their backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same the world over, yes, by the way. that's true. But yeah, that's very true. Can I, can I just chuck in something here for whatever reason? You know, DJs disappear off the air overnight in many, many countries for various reasons. This is not a first... But, no, obvi but obviously, it's, not a first it's in, in our Kong. backyard, isn't well, it? Well, it's in our backyard, and it's it, and it's it, it comes at a time when other moves to diminish press freedom are underway. So, yeah. um, the the conspiratorial view is that there's a big plot. I never think there's a big plot. I think there's usually a big cock up, but it's a cock up <laughs> that, that that does have a guiding hand. The guiding hand isn't so apparent, but it's there. It hovers in the background. Well, Albert was well outspoken, and still is, given the chance. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure... You and know, he was also fired, yeah. Well, I mean, the point was, when, when he... You know, I remember at his heyday, well, do you remember when he got chopped in 1998? That, that yeah. was another, yes. That didn't go down too well, certainly in his household, did no. it? But the point was, he was really going for it. But yeah. I think I think he wouldn't even get through the door these days, unfortunately. Well, he... he 
the, the, the evidence is there. But for, he just for, did it for fun and theatre. Well, I mean, yes, he well, believed I in mean, these I courses, think, but he's yeah, all right. Yeah. Get him going, geezer, on the radio. People love well, that stuff y- here. Y- you, you know, the, the, the simple fact of the matter is that the most popular and the most um, loved, if I could use that word, broadcasters aren't the ones who say, oh, you know, the weather's frightful. And, but on the other hand, the weather could be nice. It's people who have a point of view. You look in, yeah, in the States. How dare they? Where they have, I mean, I find these people absolutely appalling, but they have an enormous following, like, um, what's he called, Rush Limbaugh. All of uh, these guys, uh, Don, um, Don Imus. Yeah, you know, they, I mean, if you, I have to have a rabies injection before listening he's to them. Because he's a staunch Republican, that, right? Well, yes, except he thinks they're a bunch of pinkos. I know, that's the thing, you see, but you know what? If but, you, you just know, have a bland point, view on the air. Nobody's, nobody's that, nobody's that interested. And we don't know that, you know, in theory, we don't know that Rush believes everything he says, but he's certainly knows how to push the buttons. Yes. I, and I, that's I, good radio. To, to be fair, I suspect he does believe what he oh, says. Yeah, but uh, you know it's, what I'm saying? It's very objectionable it's, to it's, me, a lot it's about of it. The, but, it's about um, the show. Yeah, it's, and, and you know, it, it, of course, whole radio can't be dominated by these very loud voices. No, of that, 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 that can't be done. But to say that there's no place for them in radio stations is to say that there's a place for a dead radio station. It's as simple as that. It yeah, really I is. I know it is. Um, I've got an email here from Brett who says, not a good sign. Our first commercial broadcaster, it's why it's called commercial radio, quick tequila. Yes. Uh, seemingly not putting commercial considerations first. In brackets, I've no idea about their advertising. Uh, and he says, extrapolate from there and we're well and truly screwed. Well, that's true. Except, of course, their main commercial consideration is remaining on the air which is why they're very concerned about renewal of their licence. But, yeah. but, um, and if Ricky Brett's... Wong's into radio, <laughs> get in there, my son. Yes, yes. Well, um, it, this is, uh, instead, we didn't talk about this, but this is another straw in the wind. I mean, when they were dishing out the TV licences, yeah. even somebody like Ricky Wong, who, frankly, is by no means a vastly well-known government critic, even he was denied a licence merely because... And here I, I speculate wildly, let me say as a health warning, merely because it seems that the boys up north said, oh, don't give a licence to anybody we don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Keep it to the boys who we know, um, you know, the people who have proved to be such fantastic television Boyle. makers like Richard Lee. Um, and we know his father, and he's a very good man. Yeah, and how many more How many more broadcasts of spooks can I watch for the same episode every blinking night? But you never miss it. You never miss it. <laughs> See cracks in the pavement. People want to talk about what's happening in their backyard. They do, but they also want to be informed. They also want to be entertained. And, and the, the current licensing system seems to have a bias against information and entertainment, not to say a bias against uh, anybody who isn't towing the line. So, you know, um, commercial radio, I think, is showing contempt for its listeners, but you can understand why they do that, because they think that's the way they can keep on air. The question is, how many people will they carry with them? You know, people have a choice. They don't have to listen to commercial radio. The thing that's a bit interesting is... If you have a presenter, you know, there are lots of rules and regulations. There are tons in the States, but they're pretty fair. You know, you don't swear, mm. you don't advertise when you're not yeah. supposed to, da, 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 right? But if you have a presenter who you think is going a bit off, off you know, off, off kilt or whatever, just rein them in. 
do you have to fire them if they're popular? It's in your interest to keep them if they're popular. Well, I would have thought just, so. Just say, and, lo- and, knock it off. And I, I mean, what is really interesting to me is you can never find, and, and they, boy, do they search for this. They say, oh, well, you know, these sort of daisy lees of this world, you know, they're, 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 their whole agenda is anti-government. And you say, well, you go out and find a really popular broadcaster who's a real pro-government goon. We'll, we'll put him on the air. And they go, well... Um, we don't really have anybody like that. What? And you never do. What? I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely... You go through the piece. I mean, I've sort of been involved in radio on and off for quite a long time. I've never, ever come across a really popular pro-government broadcaster. I can think of... Radio Pyongyang? Uh, hey, well, I listen to... I listen to, to their top 40 <laughs> I listen to executions. That. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> Today, let's talk about uncles. Oops, they're all dead. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, but I mean, I, I can think in, uh, and I have to draw on British experience, I can think of what, what were known as establishment broadcasters, you know, people who, who were very uh, widely trusted and loved by the public, like um, Richard Dimbleby, who was always sort of wheeled out for state occasions. Dave Lee um, Travis. <laughs> Dave Travis was, um, that was before. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, Jack DeMunio, people like this, yes, yes. Who, 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 you know, when a big state event happened, people wanted to have the reassuring, measured tones of that person. And, of course, there is an enormous place for those people in radio. But there's also another space, and it needs to be filled. Yeah, absolutely. But just want to chuck in one thing here. You've really got me thinking about this. So, you know, I said, well, look, if one of your guys is misbehaving, but they're really good, you just wind them in and say, look, this isn't what we do, da-da-da-da, change. So what this is actually saying, if you flip it on the head, is saying that whoever's production-wise running the show doesn't know their aris from their elbow. That's what it actually says. I cannot run a radio station. Well, yes. Because I cannot control my staff. Yeah, I... I'm not sure I completely go along with that. I'm because, just doing radio yeah, here. Can yeah, you go yeah. with no, me? I, I, let, me, let me just think about that. I, I mean, my, my view on that is that um, the level of control that will be needed to keep the pro-establishment people here happy on somebody like Daisy Lee or Albert Cheng when he was broadcasting in these areas um, would have meant them coming off the air, in fact. So, you know, I, I, I think their, their objection is not to the style it's not to the uh, way that things are done, it's to the content. And the content is, of course, unacceptable to them because they, they fundamentally don't want to hear this stuff on the airwaves. Boy, oh boy, I mean, you know, once, once I had some friends who were working in China, English radio is pretty big in China, but mm. one of them said to me, you know what, if I put one foot wrong, I'm out of here. They can yeah. flick me like that. And that, this is not what we do in Hong Kong, or well, is it? Well, it isn't, and, and that's why we have to keep stressing the difference between the media in the two jurisdictions. All right, we're going to go to our little break in the second for the news, but I've got a text here from Nigel. Well done, Nigel. He says, how about the Olympic chap? Obviously told to shut up. I did think that, actually. He says, Tim Fock and his pals used up the quota for a jolly, and there was no space for a doctor what do you think we'll be back after the news minutes to 11 on this lovely glorious thursday morning still in with steve vines now nigel's uh contact to me just before the news was basically a jobs for the boys the poor lad the, the uh, speed skater didn't have a doctor on his how many on the team this is at the the olympics in Solskjaer. yeah yeah well, there were six six officials on that team right um and one no doc one athlete yep so oh, who? um <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I know. What a, what a nuisance. Um, so it was the usual suspects. Um, 
Timothy Falk, I think, was two of those officials. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, this, uh, let's even ignore the fact that us, us folks were paying for this because this is all taxpayers' money. But, I mean, it is something approaching a scandal that Hong Kong sends one athlete and six hangers-on to an Olympic event. And, you, you know, they say, oh, well, um, we, well you know, just, these were all very important so people. We didn't, need to, we, didn't, we didn't need a doctor or anybody who'd actually be useful. And according to um, the, the skater, uh, Barton Loy, who was um, the, the, the bloke who didn't do very well and says he was injured, um, he said, well, they basically ignored me while I was well, in Sochi anyway. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a little recap of our news from uh, the 12th, so we're talking, well, yesterday. Yeah. So... Um, the, the RTHK News bit said Hong Kong's lone Winter Olympian has lashed out at local, local Olympic officials for refusing to bring them a team doctor to Sochi. Barton Loy accused them of virtually ignoring him in the run-up to his short-track speed skating event. He was eliminated. Well, that's, you know, the guy did his best, right? But the funny thing was, a few hours later, another story came out and said, um, Barton has... Oh, get off your hurting me. Retracted yes. his statement. There is something, and um, I can't give you the details because, of course, I don't know what they are, but there is something um, fish-like emanating... Fish-esque. From, fish-esque that's um, emanating from around the Hong Kong Olympic Committee. Pilchardese. I mean, <laughs> indeed, uncanned. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's... You know, I mean... It, it should stare you in the face. What, what is wrong with this picture? Six officials, one athlete, going to going to a sporting event. It's just event. so so unsophisticated. Yeah, it's a joke. I know. And and it's a very small self perpetuating group that seems to have caught hold of this Olympic um, committee in Hong Kong. And you know, I mean, Hong Kong's a small place. It's it realistically, it's not going to produce you know fifty nine gold medals at at any Olympic event. I mean, we were very until lucky. it does. Well, we, we have had gold yeah. medalists from here. We we, we had uh, Li Lai Shan. You know, the 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 um, windsurfer. The windsurfer. So, you know, it's not as though Hong Kong has never had anybody who's made a sporting achievement. But you somehow feel that the system is entirely, entirely designed for the greater glory of a very small number of people who, by the sheerest of coincidence, are very close but to the government are these and are very <sighs> close to rich and connected families in Hong Kong. Whereas the poor old athletes, well, you know, <sighs> it's a, honestly, it's a complete menace. You know, do you know? that things like Olympic Games have to have sometimes people who come from public housing attending these events and, and sort of participating, whatever that may mean. But I, I, I've got to ask you, I mean, we all read the newspapers. Are these people completely thick? Remember all those guys going off on the cafe jolly? No, no, no. I think the word you're, 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 you're groping for is shameless. Well, and thick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, this yeah, was only a few we weeks you ago. Think, you think we wouldn't notice, you mean? I think one of our listeners sums this up quite nicely. This is Scott Goodmorning. And he said, if you have a chance to walk around Olympic Stadium and see all the rejects from local connected families given a sinecure to run a government-subvented sport, one way to keep them from wrecking the family business and getting the taxpayer to foot the bill at the same time. I can only guess a doctor was missing from the team because no medical doctor connected to the government was willing to risk the terrorist threat and curtainless showers of Sochi. He says sports in Hong Kong will remain a backwater because of corruption in the system. 
That's it. Says it all. Says gosh, it on the tin. Gosh, that's very harsh. Nice one, Scott. It's morningbrew at <laughs> rthk.hk if you want to get in touch. Time and time again, though. I, mean, I know, I know. But I think the, the, the Olympic Committee is a special area of, um, of odour that perhaps it, it's not central to all our lives. Poor kid. But it, 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 it Young man, sorry. It do, don't seem right to me, that's all I can say. Come on. Have a, yeah. This guy's really busting his bottom yeah. to do the best he can. Yeah. And well, and you know, um, if some of the money that was spent on on jollies and and self glorification was spent on his medical needs, well, well, or spent on <laughs> you know spent on developing sports facilities for for people in Hong Kong, because of course, where do you get Olympians from? You you, you get them from sports fields, from playgrounds, from you know places where you you find young kids are spotted with a talent, yeah. and they're they're given the ability to nurture that talent, and who knows what may happen. But unfortunately, it's not going to happen in any great numbers here. The the other thing this brings up, I mean, if the guy was injured, that's very unfortunate. But surely somebody should have really, really, in the worst case scenario, made the decision to pull the pin. That would be a doctor. No, 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 we can't do that. We're going on holiday. Yeah, we've got, and we've got important hands to shake. Yeah, I mean, I... I I don't know if this is true, but it doesn't kind of... Scott seems to have it right. There seems to be an odour, that's all I can say. Anyway, moving on. Well, the, the, the other thing which I think... You know, talking about bonkers, um, is this 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 absurd idea that's come from the most um, opportunist members of the Democratic camp, right across to people like Regina Yip, who, who's clamouring on only the only me, only me. Yes, I don't want to be chief executive. I'm the best person for it, but I don't want to be it. Um, Regina, hello, good evening, or morning, or wherever we are, um, who are saying that that you know what we need now is an arrivals tax to discourage visitors from coming to Hong Kong. Well, she's actually said, in fairness, she said this this would be quite a problematic thing to do. Yes, it would be quite a problematic thing to do. The, the, that, that's, that's the mild and measured way of saying it. The other thing is it's bonkers. And the reason it's bonkers is not only is Hong Kong very heavily dependent now, the Hong Kong economy is very heavily dependent on visitors, but, I mean, you've got a government that, that is such a bunch of headless chickens. Instead of saying, all right, we're going to have a lot of people visiting Hong Kong. That's good for the economy. What are we going to do to reassure Hong Kong people that their identity won't be swamped, that facilities will be in place to, to handle these visitors? You know, I mean, goodness me, why not spend a vast sum of money expanding the border points because this is a major source of of irritation we know where these visitors go why not spend money on improving the infrastructure in 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 those places instead they say oh well i don't know it's all very oh gosh 100 million people may come i mean you know, it's another one of those... You want to swear for, right now, don't you? I do, say I do, secret. and we're, we're, we're on pubic radio, so I, we shouldn't do that sort of thing. But I have to say that if it's as accurate as any other government forecast about anything you can think of, I mean, be it the budget from one year to another, to more or less everything, to what's happening with the environment, clean air, blah, 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 this forecast, you know in your bones, is going to be complete and utter horlicks. Yeah. And I put that as politely as I can. And one of the reasons it's complete and utter horlicks is it seems to show an absolutely staggering lack of knowledge of what's going on in China. Because as Chinese citizens find it easier to travel around the world, as more and more countries allow visa-free entry for Chinese citizens, which is a trend that's happening now, 
the numbers who want to come to Hong Kong are going to diminish anyway. So, you know, all these scare stories of, of hundreds of millions descending on, on uh, Hong Kong are almost certainly nonsense. But if they were true, and I don't believe for a moment they are, but even if they were true, there's many people in Hong Kong who say, well, here's an opportunity. You know, we're going to make some money out of this. But, but people feel swamped. They do feel... Well, they do. You can't that, step that, around. That, that, that there ain't, ain't any space left. And they do feel yeah. that the government has no interest in preserving the unique character and identity of Hong Kong. And, you know, somebody like me thinks that's very, very important. You know, they've got to be much more proactive in saying, you know, Cantonese needs to be defended, our culture, our way of life needs to be defended, but they don't. They say, oh, well, you know, um, we're part of China now, we can't afford to have any kind of separate identity, all very, very bad... Ooh, separatism, ooh, splitism. So people here get the message that they're they, not really wanted in the place that they were born. Now, that's not the message that, that makes people happy, funnily enough. Mm. So many stories. Take this week alone. So many stories lead back to this. We keep talking about this huge elephant in the room. It's there. It's there. But the, but the question is, rather than, than, than the political opportunists, um, you know, grabbing attention with fear of the other rather than having a government that just says oh there'll be millions more and it's all a very good thing you have to find a way of using this as an opportunity not as a threat and there is certainly a way of doing that i mean look i come from london i'm a londoner no i am in it <laughs> and i can tell you that, that that they've had all these debates in london we were going to be swamped in london we were going to be taken over there were going to be hordes of um, East Asians coming in from uh, not sorry, yeah, East Asians well, it was when Idi Amin coming in from yeah, from Uganda, yeah, and you know that would be terrible. What we discovered was that first of all they kept all the shops open so we could all shop at convenient hours. Secondly, that they worked like dogs so that that you know they made an enormous contribution to the economy. And the other visitors brought into London foods that you'd never seen before, yeah, but exotic this, that, and the other, and. You know, London now is this phenomenally successful cosmopolitan city. It's it's France's fourth largest city in terms of population. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it's 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 many things. If you want to go to an interesting place in Europe, I'd strongly suggest you go to London. New Delhi has the biggest Indian community outside of Southall. Is that true? It's true. Is that new? It's absolutely fantastic <laughs> there, but I Steve, it's terribly different. <laughs> It's terribly different. I mean, we're talking about a loathing that goes back thousands of years. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that, that now, I think, the average Londoner realises the opportunities that have been created by this emergence of this enormously wonderful cosmopolitan city. But, Steve, don't... I mean, wouldn't your average... Now, now in London, I mean, it's been a I'm bit tough. I'm talking about the, now. Yeah. yeah. The, the average person who comes from an, uh, another country, there's a feeling that they, you know, that they, they respect the place they're in and people tend to get on pretty, yeah, it's the odd kerfuffle. But, you know, as you say, people get on with each other. They respect each other. They but, do not here. But, but I think this is, but, but this is to do with um, many things. But one of them is you do need leadership. Truly. And one of the fortunate things that, 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 that London has, and, of course, Hong Kong doesn't have, is both a city administration and a, a national administration that finally got it that, that, that this influx of visitors and immigrants could make a positive contribution. And once they got it, um, there was... I, you, you can't just change attitudes from the top, but you have to start somewhere. Here, the, the, the government basically says, 
oh, you Hong Kong people are quite worthless. We're looking to the north for, you know, culture, for experience, for leadership. So naturally people here go, well, I don't like the sound of that, thank you very much. And they, you you know, then they get resentful and they get resentful at the wrong people, which is the visitors, rather than the people who are supposed to be in command of of policy. Well, Steve, also they get resentful at certain types of behaviour. I mean, I don't want to go down the list, but, you know, it's there to see. There is bad behaviour. It's not a a ruse, this. It's true. There are loud voices. There are many things that... Way worse than that. You know, anybody can deal with loud voices. But this this is to do... Honestly, this is to do with evolution. I know, I know. And, you know, um, you know I, again, I'll just go back to my own experience. I come from a country that sent British people to Spain, and they developed a certain reputation for visiting <laughs> Spain, <laughs> which I have to say didn't go down well hey, with Spanish people. Hey, Carlos, I hope these are British potatoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know... That that was we're talking twenty years ago. Now I think most Spanish people go, "Well, those Brits, they're a bit odd." But you know, actually, they're all right. They come over here. They they they, they uh, contribute to our economy. So I mean, you you always get the first wave of visitors, people who've never been abroad before, never been outside their yeah. own environment, and guess what? They don't behave like little Lord Floyntleroy's. Or, but, you know, or members of my family, for example, who are beyond reproach. Landed gentry. But, yeah. But the thing is. In the countries you're talking about, I don't think that the locals, the natives, feel like they're losing their identity. No, that's, and they the, do that, that's the important thing. I mean, and, and they, they crowded the foreigners into enclaves that they themselves wouldn't visit, so that was all right. I'm thinking Benidorm. That's, oh, I mean, if you, if you... I went to Benidorm once. I have to say, as a cultural experience, as he very poshly, it's quite a thing. There's a, there's a sign at the airport that says, will the last person to leave Torremolinos please switch the lights off? Cheers, Steve. <laughs>